Welcome back again to the Football Index podcast. I am joined by former Football Index employee Nick Morris. Nick, how are you doing? Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all, thanks. Um, so yeah, as as you said rightly, I I used to work for Football Index. Um, I was their first full-time employee. I joined back in, oh, when was it now? 2015, beginning of 2016. Um, I kind of actually discovered the, the index as a customer and then actually by accident came across a role that um, Kieran was advertising at the time and joined the team and kind of obviously watched the team grow for two and a bit years. Um, and then I've kind of moved on and doing something else now, but obviously I'm still an avid fan of the index and, you know, the bonus of leaving is also that I uh, get to have a portfolio. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that a lot of people ask. Can you trade if you're at the company? And the answer is always no from Mike. But so tell us a bit more about how you became part of the company and what it was like there. Like what's the what's the atmosphere in the office like? So, I mean, I, as I said, I joined, um, I think so the, the index went live in September of 2015. Uh, and then I joined in 2016 towards uh, probably, I think, April it was. Now, I mean, when I joined, it was, you know, completely different to what it is now, or what I assume it's like now. I, also, something to probably bear in mind for listeners is that I haven't been there for kind of nearly a year now. So there will be certain things which I'm not kind of up to speed on, etc. And obviously, you know, that that's just the nature of kind of the business moving along without me. But um, things change so, so quickly in, in startups, don't they, that it, it could be completely different, couldn't it? Com- completely and I mean you know there's there's still a lot of the same same kind of pillars that, that were there when I was there to, you know which are really really important to the business but you know it's grown which you know everyone wants and expects in that time um, so it has you know it will have ine- inevitably changed but I remember when I first started and it was just uh, it, the, the room that we worked in was just you know really small kind of like small classroom type type room um, and Kieran Mike and I it was you know just the three of us at the time and you know it the way that the way that my role kind of developed, it was actually really nice, and it's a credit to Mike and Kieran and, and everyone else at the business. There was, in a startup, you obviously have the ability to kind of do some things which are probably be a little bit more beyond the scope of your role than you'd normally get to do. So that was kind of you know the the sixty second updates and the you know the podcast that we tried for a little bit and all those sorts of things, um, which just kind of added to added to the fun of the role. And I mean, obviously. For everyone who is a customer on the index, they all love football, just like I did. And to be able to be around it all day, every day, and you kind of work with a product which you actually believed in was was a massive bonus because I don't think everyone is as lucky as I I was. Yeah, certainly so. What's the old expression, isn't it? Do what you love. And I don't even know what it is. I'm trying to think of the idiom, but I can't figure <laughs> out. It's something about loving the work that you do and you don't have to work a rest. Uh, you don't have to do a day of work the rest of your life or that's whatever. One, but yeah, yeah. It, that's the one, isn't it? I've, I've absolutely butchered it. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> sorry, we got that <laughs> but, <in the> end. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I, I think I've done it so badly that I can't even edit it out when I do edit it, which is which is always great. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Nick, you mentioned the like, bit of marketing media stuff that you did did you enjoy the 60 second updates that's a question from uh, fi bruce wayne our very own batman so i mean the 60 second updates were a funny one because obviously i i kind of was asked to do it and i said yeah absolutely that's fine and i was keeping up with you know keeping up to date with the news and that sort of thing when i was there but obviously it's pretty nerve-wracking for anyone to go up and do that it's not something that i had done before i had no experience in doing it on you know i'm not a presenter as everyone you know kind of gathered as when I did the first one but um but no I did enjoy it but it was you know it was it was actually a lot easier in the initial instance because we were just recording it for for Twitter and then and then someone in the team had the idea of doing it on Facebook live and then suddenly it was more pressure and obviously then you get slated by everyone and when when you're at the company you just kind of have to you know sit there and take it whereas now obviously if I get if I get someone giving me a giving me stick then I can get back to them which is which is kind of a nice bonus that must be good. But I think we got a few questions about the 60, 60 second updates, which uh, I thought they were, they came from the right place. They were a decent idea trying to put something out there that gives you that relationship with a, with the customer, right? Someone that's following you on Twitter. And obviously you've worked in marketing for a while now. You, you guys kind of knew what you were doing, but maybe the execution or the impact wasn't as big as it could have been. But I think it was along the wrong direction, uh, along the right directions. And I think you guys started a podcast at one point and uh, talk me through that a little bit and what will happen to that. So, I mean, with, with just going back to the first bit about the 60 seconds, I think, I think, no, 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 not at all. I think that you are right. It was coming from the right place, but what I think is important to remember is that 
for a startup, you know, you don't know kind of what the right path is necessarily. Mm. You know, there's not there's not a prescribed route because you're doing something which hasn't been done before. So I think as a result, you know, it was a credit to Mike actually and you know other members of the team who suggested that we do this, that, and the other to just try it out and see how we get on. Because realistically, the only way of going about it is kind of through trial and error. But I mean, the podcast that we did, I mean, to be honest with you, that was that was almost just an extension of the 60 second update where it could be a little bit longer and you could kind of do a weekly update. And I mean, you know, it was it, it was to try and just have a conversation and just try and familiarize ourselves with the customers because it's it's one thing I think that is a is a big barrier to entry for people who use Football Index is the fact that because people haven't heard of it before and because it's a relatively new concept, people automatically assume that it's a scam because they don't understand it. And I think that 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 kind of that barrier to entry is really really significant to the point where when I was there I kind of thought you know this is actually something which needs to be addressed and subsequently I think they they've addressed it brilliantly with the kind of with the tutorials uh, and the kind of the, the the football index kind of school section that they've got where you, they can literally take you through everything and I think that that's that's a massive bonus there and you know guys like yourself as well you know going out there and helping people and like being a voice in the community which helps um, but. You know, the, the podcast was just the beginning of all that. And it was kind of just dipping our toe into the water and seeing, okay, you know, like what works and what doesn't. And, you know, we, they've obviously found things which have worked better since then. But I think that it's it's important in the community as well that, that kind of one another, you know, people support each other. I think that what happens a lot of the time is that we've seen these guys who have who have been there since the very beginning who kind of not belittle people, but I think that they just, there could be, you know, the community could be a lot better and a lot stronger on Twitter if people weren't so kind of militant towards each other. I don't really know why that exists. And I don't think it did as much in the start uh, or even for the kind of the first year or so. But I guess it's an inevitability with kind of just the expansion of the product and the amount of people that you get in there that some people are going to have, you know, just just the way that way that they are. It, it becomes very tribal, right? It's a kind of a microcosm of the real world. When your opinions just don't fit in with someone else, you tend to side with someone that has similar opinions to you. And it just becomes quite tribal. And as the community grows, we're going to see more people segment themselves into different portions and whatnot. You're going to have people talking about the like <laughs> the football index syndicate police or whatever, uh, which, is, which has been quite funny. But I, I wanted to ask you, actually, in terms of that relationship through social media with customers i think tom randerson does that quite well on on social media for football index but what are your thoughts on the the tom's tip of the day and i am by no means saying i'm by no means saying anything negative about it if you're listening tom we've we've had a few chats um but is it a slight danger that you're advising because sometimes i think we tend to forget that if you do a bet boost or if you would if you say oh i'm jumping on this accumulator which is like 40 to 1 people don't tend to put like 100 quid on it when you start tipping say a player which is two three four pounds sometimes we even saw pogba or ronaldo and whether or not they went up or down some of the money that might be required to buy a significant stake into these players is a lot more than those five ten pound accumulators and now you could argue that the downside is far less than those accumulators and you're never going to lose or you're rarely going to lose 100 percent of your stake but what what do you think about that in general do you think there's a moral obligation for football index to at some point maybe step back when there's a certain customer size or customer base size, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, I understand the question and I understand where it's coming from. And I think it's something which has been, you know, quite a hotly debated thing in with football index and it has since I was there. But in all honesty, my, you know, my view on it is that anyone who gambles, anyone who's, you know, who's a member of football index or who's a customer with football index is, is 18 years old. Right. And, if, if the government says that you can vote when you're 18, then I think that, and also, you know, have sex, drink, all the rest of it, then I feel like, you know, that people are old enough to make their own decisions. You know, I I don't see, you are right in terms of people like bookmakers, for example, limiting stakes, you know, when they're saying, oh, at halftime, Harry Kane to score the next goal, seven to one. But at the same time, I feel like if you're an adult, then you're old enough to make your own decisions. And it's not as if, you know, football index aren't saying to people on a daily basis, jumping down their throats and saying, buy this player, he's going to go up by 20%. It's just kind of, it's again, another way of kind of familiarizing themselves with the actual community for football index and just saying, you know, this player is you know playing tonight, for example. And I think that in the majority of cases, you know, there are a couple of dodgy ones from Tom, admittedly, but 
you know, on, in, in the majority of cases, that there's a lot of logic behind them. Like, I think today he tipped Danny Welbeck because, you know, Kane, Southgate said that he's going to rest Kane and therefore is likely that Welbeck will start. So I think, you know, people can read into it a little bit too much. And I, I get both sides of the argument, but that's just kind of my personal view on it. I think it's one of those things that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, right? Absolutely. I think if you, if he if he stops posting, people are like, why did you stop posting? And if you if he stops doing that, then that's suddenly Football Index's natural relationship that's grown on uh, on Twitter kind of diminished just because Tom stops posting. So I think it's, it's a tough one for them. But uh, next question, we've got a weird one from Mike Corey. I thought I'd include it just because why the hell not? Will there ever be a boy born who can swim faster than a shark? Presumably nothing to do with Football Index, but uh, what are your opinions on this one? I knew, I, I kind of thought this one wouldn't come up. I saw it come up on Twitter and I was like, well, surely this one's not going to be asked me. So I didn't really look through anything for this one. But, um, I mean, potentially. Like the, I guess like, you know, you'd have to look. I mean, obviously, we're talking ever, so you know, you can never say never. There's my answer to that one. I'm just going to keep it fairly open ended. Yeah, you never know. Like, you could have a guy that mutates like a few fins in like 150, 200 years, say, and he suddenly becomes faster than a shark. But we'll move on from that one before we jump into a big dark rabbit hole. Next one is uh, from Jake Hobbs, another kind of one in jest, but maybe we can divulge some serious conversation from this one. Are you part of the Football Index Illuminati Syndicate Police? And I think this has started to come from a few users who questioned the, the choice of guests that I've had on Football Index and then started uh, on the podcast, sorry, and then started to talk about how there's kind of this new users against old users, which I think you touched on very briefly there. So what are your thoughts on this? This kind of like slight paranoia, I want to say, without jumping on anyone's toes? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it, it it's one of those things, I think, that there, there will be a lot of people out there who probably would like to be a fly on the wall in these groups. Maybe they're not in the groups. Maybe that's why they're they're bitter, or maybe it is actually that there is just some sort of rivalry for whatever reason. I mean, look, we can. It's a can of worms if we open it and go into it because it could be a plethora of reasons why people feel the way they do. But I do, you know, I think that naturally, if if there are a group of people, you know, that there is there was a very small community of people when Football Index first started, and for the first kind of year or so, who really had kind of a lot of money in the index, whereas outside of that group, there wasn't a huge amount of you know, of, of groups or collections of people who did have a, a lot of funds in there. And I mean, you know, fair play to those guys for kind of sticking together, because in all honesty, if I was in the same position as them, and, you know, I, I'd been trading with these people and exchanging ideas with people who, you know, you'll inevitably build trust with, because you're kind of talking about talking to one another about investments, which are, you know, of, of you know, let's be honest, life changing sums in a lot of the cases. So, you know, people can have a go and they can have a slide dig at the Illuminati police or, you know, whoever these people are. But at the end of the day, you know, it, your friends are your friends. And, you know, whether you've met them through Football Index or wherever else, I think that it makes sense that people are stick stuck together. And I think that other people just just have a problem with it because I think the, the actual main problem is that when somebody gets into an argument on Twitter or there's a problem, I think all of their friends or people in a group with will kind of back them. But in a lot of cases, I think the reason why that is is because they probably share the same understanding and beliefs in the index in the first place. So I think that people, again, I think it's like the tip of the day thing. I think people just read into it too much and it's like, well, just I wouldn't lose too much sleep over it if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to end that sentence there, Nick. But I think like, I've been in a lot of group chats, right? And I am in a few today and I get asked to be added to loads more. And I'm kind of like, look, you know what? Like I'm always in my Twitter DMs helping people uh, whenever I can. Like whenever I'm on Twitter, there's I've got a DM on, on my fig account, right? It's it's tough to, to join as many groups as you can. So uh, people who have asked me in the past, do you want to join this one? I say, no, it's, you know, with no disrespect because I want to keep that twitter account one that i can help people with not kind of engaging in in daily discussion on you know a certain player or whatever you guys know i don't like tipping specific players but i've been in group chats with new users and old users there's index gain with loads of different channels there's um the forum that has loads of chats like there's a facebook group i'm sure people have made chats on facebook there's not like one overriding power on football index where there's just a chat that can control the amount you're right in saying it right that there were a group of 
people on Twitter that had a lot of money at the beginning of the index. Now it's totally different. I think that people have estimated there's like 16, 17 million pounds in there now. Even if you have a group that has 5 million of those pounds, that's not even half the total amount of money in the index. For example, you talk about one of those users right at the start, Football Index Chat, who was on Twitter right at the start and has had his portfolio right at the start. And some he, he's the guy that's been asking for the three-year rule, bless him, because there's he it's coming close to that now. And I think some of his players are maybe within four or five months of that. I used to be in a Twitter, Twitter chat with him. I'm no longer in one with him now. And but we've had, you know, DMs exchanged. It doesn't mean that just because you're an old user, you suddenly have this defined relationship with another person who's an old user on football index if that makes sense at all but it it is what it is at the end of the day and there are people who have joined football index recently and have kind of been like why is this like this and this like that and it kind of just is what it is and i agree with you people are just losing too much sleep on it and i i think it's a non-conversation really and i think no i think i think you kind of did hit the nail on the head to a certain extent i mean people just get you know, people, I think, on Football Index, the community obviously is thriving on on Twitter. And we all know that that's probably, you know, pretty much where the community of Football Index lives. But I think as a result, people just kind of find issues. But it's just that's kind of, you know, the, the downside of social media is that people spend their lives on it. And there are certain people who just kind of can't say no to, you know, responding to a tweet or sending someone a DM. And it's just the way of the world. Yeah, it can be boredom, can't it? But uh, I think we'll move on to the next question before delving any further into that can of worms. It's from Fit- F- Football Index SOTD. Uh, been on the podcast a couple of times. Can you give any insight or opinions on Index HQ strategy going forward in terms of growing product or implementation of new ideas? Of course, these can be your opinion, not asking confidential info, but feel free to share the latter too. A uh, bit of, bit of uh, poking, a bit of fun there from Lee. But I guess like, were there any weird ideas, wacky ideas that maybe the team, that the product team had that weren't implemented and uh, stuff like that? Or can you give any insight into the future, not in terms of what will change, but what's the kind of general strategy that maybe we've heard from Mike and Adam before, but something that you want to have at home? I mean, look, I'll be I'll be very honest, like from the start is, you know, I can't obviously I don't I don't want to tre- tread on anyone's toes in terms of kind of strategy, which maybe they decide to go with or, you know, maybe go without when I was there. Um, and, you know, anything I haven't really heard anything because obviously I don't work there anymore. So in terms of strategy going forward or, you know, you know, previously, it's not really something that I want to touch on too much. But I mean, in terms of in terms of kind of my, I remember that like reading the question from Lee, and obviously he was asking, you know, my opinion on you know what could be good going forward. And I think that the the expansions of of the kind of of the geos which it operates in is is obviously a fantastic thing with have people having a shared market. Um, and I think, you know, you only need to look into something like the USA, where sports betting has recently been made legal. Um, now, I mean, in the US, you have an absolutely huge amount of people who watch football. I think it's. I was reading an article on. Um, uh, on Forbes the other the other day, which is basically kind of talking about a study done by this consultancy, um, which said that within the next couple of years, football soccer, obviously called o- over there, is going to be the uh, the third most popular sport out there, and I think that that's that's quite insane considering that I think like twenty two million people at, um, this year or last year, whenever it was that the study was conducted, watch football in the USA, and I mean that's you know that's a massive demographic of people, but importantly as well in the US and I'm not saying that you know this is my opinion that football index should do this but I'm just talking about in terms of kind of potential markets and potential market sizes um a company a, you know a country like the US where there has been no you know uh nationwide legal sports betting there's you know there's going to be a bit of a land grab in the next couple of years between all these sports betting companies trying to get in there and I think that the potential where you know football is massively growing I mean we can see that by the fact that Back in the day when Beckham went over to MLS, you'd have, you know, there was only a couple of big names over there and there wasn't really anyone of his kind of stature. But nowadays it's, it's very commonplace for people along with going to, you know, um, China and, you know, with Japan with Iniesta, you're getting players like Zlatan, et cetera, going over there. And obviously now you've got Beckham starting the International Miami or whatever that club's called. So, so it's obviously growing a lot. And I think that there's, you know, that, Football Index have shown an appetite for growing. And I know that, you know, th- there was that appetite when I was there. 
um, to increase the kind of the geographical reach of the business. I think that's obviously, you know, really like really kind of where where the future of the index is really. Yeah, I agree. I think that obviously money talks and there's more money in the US than there is in a lot of Europe, right? Especially from a, I don't know, especially from kind of like a new emerging company point of view. I think if you want to make a lot of money, it can happen in the UK, but the US is where the lion's share of people are with money if that makes sense i think which is what you alluded to but i mean it's a bit weird like one percent of the listeners of the figcast are from the us which is really weird right like i don't know whether that's warped by the kind of non-football index content with the league takeovers or when uh, a couple american us people based people have come on but it's weird it kind of ha- tends to happen for every episode there, there seems to be us listeners and of course there might be bots as well which is maybe something to consider and also uh, what you said about america being such a growing influence in terms of football or soccer is kind of why i started the the state of play podcast which you guys should definitely check out cheap plug from me uh, <laughs> uh, state of play pod on twitter another cheap plug um it's because there needs to be that bridge of like that that bridge between american soccer and european football which is the the, the term i've kind of liked to coin because you start watching football or soccer in the us and then you realize that there's this whole gulf of better quality in europe and you start watching that as well atlanta united have a stadium of 90,000 capacity that sells out every single week or something ridiculous like that some of these stadiums are as big as american football stadiums and they're they're selling out and you've got two franchises in la you've got into miami starting in, in miami obviously with david beckham as you mentioned earlier this is a massive market that's growing and i think that's something that football index will look to maybe not next year maybe not the year after but soon i'm i'm, I'm sure yeah, and I think you know it's 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 all positive for football index, and I think it's something which, you know, the American people often compare football index in a way to kind of fancy sports because there is a big overlap, I think, in the two different markets because it, it involves people who kind of have a passion for the sport, which is shown by the dedication into research and that sort of thing, which goes into both football index as well as um, fancy sports. And fancy sports are massive in America, and part of the reason for that is because. Yeah, and most of the reason for that, in fact, is because it's the only real way that they can bet on sports kind of on a, at a federal level because sports betting is illegal, but betting on fancy isn't. So you have like DraftKings and that sort of thing. But um, the other thing as well in terms of kind of going forward and f- football index is kind of like marketing and because that's probably where my knowledge would be best of. Um, I think one thing that they've done really, really well is address the barrier to entry that I was talking to earlier on of that kind of people thinking it was a scam and people having that lack of understanding and therefore not really even dipping their toe in the ocean, so to speak. And I think with, you know, with the signing of, you know, Motson and bringing on, you know, high profile journalists, someone who's got, you know, a million followers, it completely legitimizes the brand. I think that's really, really smart business from Football Index. You know, I want to shout those guys out because I think that they've done a really good job with bringing, you know, those, those two people on board. And I think that, kind of more moves more moves in that direction i think is going to be absolutely outstanding because you know if if you or i hadn't heard of football index and one day you're watching sky sports and suddenly your ears prick up because john watson's speaking well inevitably you're just gonna think that oh, there's, there's no way in your mind you're going to think this is a scam you'd think this is a legitimate business because why would john watson be the voiceover on the advert mm-hmm. type thing yeah i totally agree i think discussed on episode 47 with seb about how it increases the legitimacy, if nothing else, of Football Index. And I think that's something that, as you alluded to, they've battled with very hard. And and what was it like when you were trying to market something that was so hard to get across, that was so hard to to understand? What Were there any frustrations with Mike and yourself and, and Tom when he, when he came on? Like, what were your strategies to try and, like, legitimize it before, you know, we had Motson and, and, and Guillaume come on? We, I mean, look, everyone at Football Index believed in the product wholeheartedly or else they wouldn't have been there. You know, Mike more than anyone else because, you know, it's just, he, he's, he's been that way since, since I've known him. Um, and I think that you're inevitably going to get people when you're running Facebook marketing campaigns, for example, who, you know, who comment it's a scam and this, that and the other. But you just have to keep plugging away. And I think that it, it was really interesting the time when I was there because I went from the beginning of literally nobody knowing about Football Index and having a customer base of, I don't know how many were there, how many members there were when I joined, but maybe say 10,000, something like that. 
um, to then growing. And, you know, watching it the whole way through is just has been quite exciting for me and someone who's part of it and someone who, you know, has a real affinity for the index because it's gone from nobody knowing about it to everyone I know who likes football having definitely heard of it. And I think that that's, that's kind of a credit to the team and the way that the way that Mike and the rest of the guys there plugged away. Um, I think that it's it, it was really important that you kind of you don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, it is a great product. And I think in the end, that's just shone through and, you know, it has shown, you know, to, to the day that we are now. Yeah, I totally agree. I always say to people that when I found out about this at the beginning of my second year at uni, by the end of my third year, so pretty much give or take t- two years, I went from literally no one hearing about it, and which is in part what sparked me creating this content and creating this brand, to people you know talking about in the library, people on the computers behind me in a study room on it, like it was it was quite weird and it's quite a surreal feeling. It's really strange to think how far we've come. But a, a couple questions now from Daly and Agatello. Agatello's been on the podcast before. One is who is the most important member of the FI team, and I know you don't want to say who it is or who your opinion of it is i kind of want to say who's the person that isn't talked about that often who might be behind the scenes or just isn't given enough credit i mean it's it would be unfair to say that one person is the most important member of that team and it would also not just be unfair but it'd be untrue because you know it's that everyone who works here is like they are genuinely important cogs of the, the machine that football index works kind of from um you know without Without this, without the customer support people, there would be, you know, the company would literally go into meltdown in a day, as we've seen before, you know, when, when there was only one person working customer service, when I, you know, when I first joined Football Index, um, and, you know, equally at the other end, without Adam actually making sure that there are, there are investors in this, in the initial instance, we wouldn't be here equally. So I don't want to kind of say, I, I don't want to give, give credit, credit, give credit to people, or, you know, say, say this is actually the, you know, the most important person, because there isn't anyone who's more important than everyone else. I think that what they've done there is create a really, really strong group of people who have, you know, have a love for the business and who are also incredibly hard workers. And I can say that from the top to the bottom of the company. And I think that they, you know, this, the sky really is the limit for this, for this business. And I think in part it's credit to, to Adam, Mike and Kieran for actually kind of hiring the team and putting them together and, you know, creating such a solid unit over there. Mm, yeah. Props to those guys, but who, who's got the best football knowledge at FIFQ? Okay, HQ, so sorry. Obviously, I, I, so I've thought about this, and I I was kind of going to go along the same route as the last question and say, you know, everyone's <laughs> got the same knowledge, but but actually, it's not true. I think that okay. So one thing to note before I say this is that there are people who work there now who've worked there for quite a while who I don't know and who I've never met. For example, now I know off the top of my head that Stuart's got really good. Um, he's got a really good football knowledge, but. My personal choice for who's got the best knowledge would be Alex, Alex Smith. He's um, he's just got like he's. I'm I'm still friends with with a couple of the guys at Football Index. I mean, you know, I've seen I see I've seen all of the team relatively recently, but um, you know, in terms of people who I'm friends with, I'm kind of I play five aside with Tom most weeks, and I see Alex as well quite often. Um, and Alex just always amazes me at his knowledge. It's and it's his knowledge of kind of lesser known players, lesser known teams, and he'll always say things to you, you know, like oh like make sure you keep an eye on this team or or like you know watch a couple of games and then you end up watching one or two of them and all of a sudden then there's players like um coming through you'd never heard of before and i think he's he's the guy for me who's always kind of slightly ahead of the curve so sorry to all the others but i would have to say alex oh well well done alex uh i'm not sure what kind of prize you win there (laughs) but congrats uh next question so that'll be enough for him (laughs) <laughs> next question from uh, gene who's been on the podcast as well he's a bit of a nutcase but he said do you think fi will go tits up or become the next unicorn so uh go hard or go home is is the question in terms of football index as a business i guess i mean i guess that people people could probably guess what my answer to this is but like i just i can't i really can't stress enough like how big i think football index will get i think that it's um it's just it's it's an I just see it as an alternative to sports betting. Like I don't even see it as in the kind of same same bracket as sports betting because I just think that it's for me personally in the way that I've seen it and you know like so many other customers it's just it's such a good investment and I do see it as a kind of quasi investment. Um, and I just think I think it'll really really take over. I think that it's you know 
in in a couple of years and maybe not even in that long, I think we're going to see it really starting to dominate um, the sports betting industry. And I think that if 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 sports betting companies in this country and you know elsewhere abroad aren't already shaking in their boots, then then it's very very soon that that will happen. Um, I think with you know it's a credit to the community as well the way that it's, that they've kind of helped one another and you know people like yourselves who you've come come along and and helped people and taught people how to use the platform because obviously it's not as straightforward as sports betting but I just think that it's such a great product and I think you know inevitably I'm going to say that because I worked there for two years but every single person that I meet uh, who I tell about football index they end up you know if the, if the person's a relative football fan whether it be my grandma or my sister or a friend of mine or my mum's friend or whoever it is I think that I always talk with enough passion about the product that these people then have a bit of interest and come back a couple of weeks later and say oh you know I bought 10 Marcus Bashford or this that and the other and I think I think and I think that speaks for itself that like I I wouldn't try and you know force something on my friends or my family or whoever if it wasn't something I believed in and I think that I I never have to try and sell it to somebody because I I do genuinely believe it and I think that most other people who are who are who are customers agree with me yeah certainly so that that thing that you just said about talking to someone and then them coming back to you 10 days later is something that I had so much when it first started. I was like, look, check this out. Uh, and if you guys remember an episode called My Football Index Journey with my friend Alex, who is the guy that we who started, who I started Football Index with, not on the same account, but we, we kind of found it at the same time. It was my uh, former uni housemate. It, what would happen there was we told loads of people about it and no one really paid attention and then i had like a year or two years later honestly people that i hadn't spoke to for like two three four months uh from uni from high school etc were, were messaging me and asking me like what okay like you mentioned this thing ages ago i'm seeing it pop up now and then after that i kind of had a sun wave of like my mates being like okay pet what the hell is that thing that you were talking about? Because I see it everywhere now. And now, like, I haven't got all my friends involved because some of them just don't want to. But it, I think what we have to realise is this product isn't for everyone. But the more people know about it, that network effect becomes so much stronger because, it, you know, even if someone's a casual user of having 10 20 quid in the index i think asp talks about this really well he said that person's friend or the friend of a friend might have 10k that he wants to splurge that he spends in a year on sports betting that he wants to do something else with so i think hammering home that point it's just so important to to talk with passion i guess about the product because if you have got a lot of money in it then you must be passionate about the product and you should be like that towards other people because you don't know what kind of effect it should it would have yeah, and I mean, you're 100% right, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, one example of that is one of my colleagues. I mean, you know, he's he's got a portfolio, and I, I kind of briefly spoke to him when I first joined the company. I think, actually, it was the first day that I moved to the company that I work for now. And, you know, I, t- I told him about Football Index, and, and now he's got a portfolio, and I'm sure that he's told people who also have a portfolio. And I think what you touched on was actually was quite a significant point as well in terms of, you know, say, for example... Uh, there's a guy who's who's got a brother who's a trade, trader at Goldman Sachs and the guy's little brother is 19 years old and he's come across Football Index on Twitter. But the fact that it's such a great product and the fact that it really does sell itself means that he can tell his brother and then his brother goes, all right, then I'll, I'll have a little pop at this, you know, builds a portfolio himself. Suddenly he's at work and he's checking his portfolio and somebody else looks at it and says, what's this? It's Football Index. And obviously and he's trying to sell it to all his mates because none of them know it and everyone wants to be first past the post on these sorts of things. And then before you know it, you've got, you know, a group of five traders who started a WhatsApp group and, you know, the value of everyone's Ronaldo has gone up by a pound. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? That network effect just, just it can grow exponentially, right? Which is something that people need to bear in mind. The road from thousand customers to 200,000 might have been or is going to be slow as we approach 200,000. I'm sure it's going to happen in the next two or three months before Christmas. Um that that jump from 200,000 to a million is probably going to be easier and I hesitate to make too many predictions but I think that's probably true but I think you've answered that question pretty soundly there Nick next question from our football index why did you leave FI I mean you speak about with such passion and I don't think you need to go into details but I guess the reason why people want to know this is because you do speak so passionately about the product yeah, and I mean, look, I it was nothing to do with the product. It was nothing to do with the team. It wasn't a falling out. It was absolutely nothing negative. It was kind of, 
I've been doing that role um, at Football Index for for two years, and actually, you know, credit to Mike, it was him who gave me the opportunity to to kind of pursue this pursue the role that I was doing there, um, and kind of build out my marketing experience because you know he put a lot of trust in me and a lot of faith, and kind of had it not been for him, then I wouldn't be where I am today. And you know, I'm, I'm very very serious in terms of you know that that being the case. But I mean, they just came to a point where. I was looking for something, you know, a slightly different challenge. And I think that I'd been there for, for just over two years. And I think in this day and age, it's very normal for people to kind of move on there. Um, but, you know, I still, I still speak to the guys on, on, a, on a daily basis. And as I, as I said, you know, with Mike being my kind of the direct person I reported to, he was, you know, an absolute pleasure to learn from, not just, you know, being a great guy, but also a great boss. Um, you know, as well as Kieran, as well as Adam and, you know, those working under those guys, it gave me the opportunity to really, really learn. And, you know, they, you know, they're smart, smart guys. Um, so, I mean, you know, hats off, hats off to the team, but I think it was just, my career was coming to a point where I needed to kind of look for a slightly different challenge. And that's why I kind of pursued what I'm doing now. But, you know, I, um, I, I, one of the benefits of that is that I can, you know, I can now have a portfolio. So after kind of watching people make, make a lot of money over the years and able to kind of give it a go myself but that wasn't a factor was it <laughs> i'm joking no no not at all that was just that was just a bonus obviously <laughs> i'm joking but i do remember when i first called adam to talk about kind of the football index guide stuff he did say that uh he said he was like i see a lot of my younger self and nick and whether or not that's a compliment or not i'll leave that to you to decide nick but uh next question from uh, fpl addict he said with expansion into spain how do you see fi appealing to those regions and what will it mean for mb as currently it's very premier league or uk media focused so i guess the first question about the product in itself <laughs> uh no i mean it's, it's a good question i obviously saw that um and i think that they i don't exactly know how it's going to work obviously i don't have the inside track so all i can do is kind of speculate now whether but before before going on sorry i mean by expansion into spain i'm assuming the fpl addict is alluding to potential expansion in the in that region with gillen balagay yeah, yeah i mean obviously that's something which nobody nobody has been informed about or we don't know is is actually going to exist because well, they're expanding to ireland they've just announced that right coming up soon i'm probably not not as on top of the news as i probably should be but i once or as i once was but um yeah i mean if if they were to go into Spain, France, Germany, Italy, any of those countries, I mean, it'd probably be an interesting one. I guess it would be something which, you know, they'll obviously research and they'll do their analysis into beforehand. But one, you know, one possibility is that they kind of have um, split media dividend pools for the different nations, because obviously it's, it might be a slight barrier to entry, even though, you know, most of the European countries, which I mentioned there, English, you know, is, is a very widely spoken language. Not everyone speaks it. Um, so if they were to have kind of split media pools, so, you know, a, one media buzz pool for, um, a media dividend pool for Spain, one for Italy, for France, etc., then you can kind of have, you could have a list of, or, uh, you know, a, a list of 25 different news sources from each country, because I mean, realistically, there probably aren't a lot of people in Spain, Italy, Germany. I mean, I don't know this as a fact, but who kind of will, you know, check out Sky Sports News, for example, whereas there might be kind of news sources which are more more local but one thing actually that that could benefit from and obviously this is this is me just kind of you know rolling a ball and then just kind of going with it um is that it could increase the price of of players kind of across the board because as you you know as um as fpl addict said one thing about the media buzz is the fact that it's very uk focused so therefore kind of there are players in this country who you know, if it was, say, the Spanish media, wouldn't be getting such high media buzz scores and therefore probably wouldn't be as valuable to potential investors. Whereas if they had local news in Spain, for example, then you might be hearing about players who are kind of lesser mentioned in the news out here, but who are kind of more well known by the actual supporters of Spanish football. And, you know, as a result, that might make a Spanish player more valuable in Spain. But obviously, if there's a shared market, then there's a possibility that the actual overall price of players in the other four leagues outside the Premier League could could increase if they did split the media that way. But again, just this is speculation and me just kind of just having a chat. But it's it's interesting to talk about nonetheless. Yeah, I think this one's potentially a larger maybe not issue or thing to tweak than the performance buzz matrix. Because I think if you think about it right, there are players like Paul Pogba, like Harry Kane, like Mo Salah, who, whether you own them or not, do well on media buzz. But secondly, 
if there was a shared market where you take Spanish, Italian and uh, French outlets, they would not be worth as much, right? If if we were talking about one index, and I think ASP alluded to this quite well, where to make this a, a mainstream product, this is maybe the route we have to go down. But I talked about this in, uh, or I talk about this in two episodes in two episodes with uh, SG about Media Buzz. Sorry, I'm, I'm away right now as you guys are, are listening to this podcast, but uh, I've pre-recorded this. And what we talk about is how a player like Pogba's price would automatically go downhill because whether you like it or not, 90% of the press that he gets is from the UK. Whereas if you take a player like Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Neymar, if we take Ronaldo as a, an example, he plays in Italy. So Italian journalists write about him. He used to play for Real Madrid. So Spanish journalists write about him. And they're going to write about him whether Real Madrid do well or not. Right. And they're going to compare players to him and the void that he's left. And then you've got the English media who, as we've obviously seen with his recent media buzz run, write about him a lot. Same with Neymar. He's got the former Barcelona link, the transfer saga or whatever you want to call it with Real Madrid, the the constant flirting. He's gonna be written about by french journalists and obviously uk journalists are gonna write about him so i i think there's a slight problem there and i think football index need to be perhaps more careful in iterating media buzz as a thing than they do with performance buzz if that makes sense because i think with performance buzz if you change the matrix slightly that could impact some of your players in your portfolio positively and some of them negatively. And I'm assuming that every iteration they do in the future, if they do any, is going to be quite minute. But with Media Buzz, that would be such a change, wouldn't it, Nick? That it would be kind of a big risk because if you own a lot of big MB guys, whether or not the rest of your portfolio is weighted in equal measures to the Messis, the Neymars, the Ronaldos, who would become a lot more dominant then maybe you'd see a lot of red and that would turn off a lot of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I take well, I take your point and I think that obviously any radical change to a platform could have a negative effect. But I think that you could, I mean, what I was talking about in terms of having split uh, media dividend pools as an example, that that's almost a way around this because for all of the current users who use Football Index and the people who've got, you know, have much invested in certain players, the situation won't change for them. And so the the market as a whole right now, that wouldn't change. They could just say, okay, so we're going to expand into France. And like the way that we're going to do this is France is going to have its own media pool, which media, uh, media dividend pool, which is different to that of, you know, the UK, of, of Sweden, Ireland, Canada, wherever it may be. Um, and therefore it's completely separate as an entity. I mean, with performance buzz, obviously it's still the same pool because there would be no need for that not to be the case. But that would kind of be a way around it, I think, because it wouldn't actually change anything at all for the current users. You're not taking away anything from the from the dividend pool, if that makes sense. And I think that's, you know, that is a potential potential resolution. But at the same time, I think that, you know, the, the guys at the company are smart enough that they they'll make a decision which will which won't be to the detriment of anyone else. So for people who are worried about that thing, I really wouldn't worry. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think I'm worried. I'm just trying to think about ways that they could get around it. And I think that having a say media buzz pool for those like top five leagues if that makes sense same as pb leagues and uh because they are presuming they wouldn't expand worldwide in terms of like media outlets straight away they'd probably go to spain italy uh germany france first and i think having like split media dividends for each of those countries or those countries outlets as you alluded to i think could work potentially quite well but it's certainly an interesting one and one to to keep on top of uh, next question screech sensei and i'm assuming you can't say much about this nick but are there any issues that were there when you worked at football index that are still a problem now i'm assuming you don't know much about this as you don't work there anymore but were there any issues that were quite hard to tackle we, we talked about the uh, acquisition point and barrier to entry but anything else in general no i think that's that's the only one that i can really think of genuinely i think that the obviously, you know, I mean, it's it's not a bad problem to have for a, for a company, which you know is is great, like Football Index is. But I think that customer acquisition and that barrier to entry, in terms of, I think the the two key things, as you know, we've we've kind of alluded to in this podcast, is that the first was people thinking it's a scam, and the second one was that people just don't have the education for it. And I think that they've addressed those two those two 
really, really significant problems. And I think they were the most significant problems that existed and have existed since the, the start of the product brilliantly. Um, you know, through through the tutorials and through kind of connecting with um, with the index, uh, with the community. And I think that one, you know, one one way of doing that, which they've been really, really good at is just kind of being there. And I think that, you know, I've seen on Twitter, as obviously I'm kind of, you know, on Twitter a fair amount, just like you are. Um, Mike, you know, Mike having a bigger presence now, nowadays, I think has given kind of, you know, a lot of confidence and to the consumers. And I think that's so important because at the end of the day, you know, some people don't realize that the, you know, prices of players on the index, you know, obviously as, as a kind of variable, they're affected by player performances and what's said in the media and that sort of thing. But the, the direct variable that affects player prices on the index is consumer confidence and, you know, how consumers feel about players. And I think that you have to, as a company, give the, the give those consumers the confidence that you're actually listening to them and that, you know, you are going to be communicable people and that, you know, you're going to be there if they need to reach out. And I think that's one thing that they've addressed in, you know, since I've left and, you know, when I was there, it was the same and they were kind of trying to trying to address it really, really well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that point that you've made about consumer con- confidence making more money or provoking more money to be deposited into the platform is, is so, so true, isn't it? You, you can talk about how good the app could be or how good the website could be. But I often say this, that investing on Football Index or if you're buying players on Football Index, you're basically investing in the product, right? You're investing in a product or a company that isn't even three years old. So you're technically still investing in what is technically a startup so and that's quite high risk right so if you are believing or a believer in the product then you're technically investing in the company if that makes sense as well as actually buying players on the on the platform and i know you can withdraw and and make yourself like more risk adverse but at the end of the day you are investing in the company as as much as anything else which is i think a, a, a really important point to to get across but nick is there anything that like is there anything have you perceived anything differently since leaving the company than you did when you were still there if that makes sense is there anything that's kind of changed in your mindset about football index as a, as an entity or did you kind of think oh well i don't th- i didn't think that customers thought this way if that makes sense do, do you kind of see where i'm coming from yeah um no, I mean, off the top of my head, there's nothing that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb for me. Um, but what about interacting with traders on, on Twitter, for example? Like, is there anything that you've seen there that you were like, oh, well, I never thought of it this way, if that makes sense from a from a business standpoint? I mean, I, I, it, it's it's interesting to me, you know, to obviously chat chat with guys like yourself and other people who I've kind of had conversations with since leaving. But I don't, I don't really think I view anything differently. I might have, you know it's one thing that's interesting kind of having left and being on the other side of it. So being a customer of football index is that you kind of, you see how much people really genuinely care about it, about the product itself, you know, the way that people kind of analyze the news. And I don't think that I necessarily saw that as much when I was at the index, but I think that inevitably as time goes on, people have, you know, more vested interest because, you know, even, even if you take everything else out of account, then, um, you know, just the fact that they've got, you know, a lot of kind of a lot of money invested in the platform, which obviously is going to increase over time for the majority of people provided that they're kind of making money. Um, but it's people just, I never realized, I don't think quite how much people care about it. And I mean, you know, being in group chats and seeing how Football Index will release some news and then kind of people will analyze that news and they'll do a bit of research on it and they'll work out what it means and how they can benefit from it and this, that and the other. And I guess it's, you know people talk in trading about like the opportunity to arbitrage and i think that that's something which i've kind of seen more and more since i've left is that people want want to analyze all of the all the stats and all the figures that people get out of you know out of football index and you know get get that little advantage which will help them earn a little bit more money and it's 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 good to see because it's showing that people genuinely have a passion and you know and a belief in this in this platform and it's it's for someone who who kind of was was there when we you know went near enough to when it was started it's it's fantastic to see yeah very refreshing and brilliant to see but nick i think your um your main role was kind of the the head of affiliates right at football index yeah. so basically um, so why don't you, what, yeah why don't you talk to us a bit more about that role 
off the bat? Yeah, so I mean, the um, being the affiliate manager at Football Index basically entailed kind of talking to people who were influencers, say, for example, or people who had a website where, you know, they had a lot of football fans going there, for, um, you know, visiting the sites who you could kind of appeal to and advertise to. So, you know, there are plenty of people who are on Twitter now, a lot of the big names who kind of, who are affiliates or who have been affiliates in the past. And it's, you know, it's a great way of, of acquiring customers for a company like Football Index, because I don't know if it was, if it was ever something which is planned. I think it just kind of hatched this way um, with the index, but the fact that everyone kind of lives on Twitter, it works quite well. And there was a lot of kind of a symbiotic relationship there with, with having people who are, who are affiliates, because like you said, how many times has anyone who's listening to this now said to a mate, "Oh, by the way, I've got you know, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on this this platform, Football Index, and you know, I've made X, Y, and Z, or it's you know, it means I actually care more about the game, you know, the, the West Brom Villa game that I watched on the weekend, which I otherwise wouldn't have cared about." Um, and I think that it, you know, the Twitter and the acquisition of customers of Football Index was was quite quite you know, a, a natural relationship, an organic relationship which grew, um, and so a lot of the people who who kind of are our affiliates now and have been so are on Twitter. And I think that was kind of a, a big focus, but I, I don't really know, you know, where the, where the affiliate program is now, you know, what's going on. Um, but I mean, yeah, the company, the company's in great hands. So I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's doing well. Yeah, affiliate marketing can be very, very, very powerful if you if you play your cards right. And I remember speaking to you quite a few times, Nick. Um, you know, a couple of years now, it's been it's gone so quickly. But I think uh, we've rattled kind of through our agenda. Is there anything else that you want to touch on while while we're here? No, I think that I think Ross Dyer for some reason thinks that I don't like him, and I just want to give <laughs> I want to give Ross Dyer a shout out because I have I have no problem with you. I think that like, you've actually been one of the guys who you know has been around as long as I have probably maybe even longer i don't know um but yeah i think we have some people some reason i think either he or people on twitter think we have this love and hate relationship but ross i've got no problem with you mate <laughs> brilliant okay well uh nick thank you so much for coming on man where can people find out more about you if they want to have a chat uh, well i mean i'm on uh, i'm on twitter and my t- my uh, handle is nmorris4 i believe i think that's right um so yeah if you ever want to hit me up got any questions or anything like that feel free but um i'm sure nobody will but i won't take that to heart (laughs) brilliant brilliant but um yeah if if you guys enjoyed that and want to see some more football index content then uh, head over to the youtube channel over a thousand subscribers now so thanks so much for your support guys and uh if you want to see some written content or read some written content rather that is articulated better by footy index ldn and liam than myself but i do contribute slightly then uh do subscribe to the football index newsletter and i mentioned state of play the podcast earlier in the in the episode please do check that out as well guys and if you want to collaborate or for sponsorship inquiries please do hit my email up football.index.guide at gmail.com if you're about to get on your commute or if you've just finished your commute rather that would make more sense right you wouldn't start a commute with the end of an episode then please have a uh, lovely commute and uh, also shout out to the non-commute crew otherwise uh, you guys will start hating on me again thank you so much for listening everyone